Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Padgett here and on this week's bonus episode I'm interviewing Armin Witt, the man behind the incredible blog Brand New where he critiques and reviews logos and brand identities. But before we get into that, I want to say a massive thank you to Hola Brief, who has sponsored this episode, allowing me to extend season three by two more episodes. Sadly, this does mean that this is the last interview for this year. Um, But don't worry, I'll be back next year for a fourth season. So Hola Brief is an incredible new tool that makes it easier than ever to collaborate with your client to create a strategic design brief. Basically, the better the design brief, the more you understand the challenges faced, meaning the final design will solve problems, perform better and be more likely to be approved first time. It's free to use, so go check it out for yourself at holobrief.com forward slash logo geek. So as mentioned in this episode, I'm really excited to be interviewing Armin Witt, the founder of one of my favorite design critique blogs, Brand New, which is part of Under Consideration, which now receives a whopping 1.8 million paid views per month. In this interview, I found out about his life before Brand New when he was working in the New York Pentagram office under Micah Beiru, how he started the Brand New blog, his approach to critiquing logos, what makes a great logo, and we also chat about the Brand New conference too. This is a fantastic interview to close off season three, so let's get straight into this. Here is the interview with Armin Witt. Most listeners will know of you from your brand new blog, and that's become like one of the most influential Lego design critique sites out there. So, um, you know, huge congratulations for that. Thank you. I, I understand prior to this that you worked in the New York Pentagram office under Michael Beirut. Can I ask you about this time? Like, how did you get the opportunity? Because it sounds like a dream job for most people. Yeah, it really was a dream job. And the way it came about was before we had brand new, we had another blog called Speak Up. And that one, we started it in 2003. And the focus of that blog was just general graphic design discussions. And they were more about like the ethics and the profession and, you know, discussing the AIGA, which is our professional, uh, our, you know, member organization for professional graphic designers. So I started this blog out of boredom at some point in my (laughs) life. Um, And this was early 2000s, so there was no other design blog out there. So we were the first. Um, I I don't say that as, hey, we were the first. It's just like there was nothing. Um, So we just happened to be the first ones. And you know, I, do, I used to send out the emails to people that are respected in the industry, just saying like, hey, I have this blog, come check it out. Um, next thing you know, you know, a lot of those people started to read it regularly. Some of them started contributing, you know, like Steve Heller or Rudy Vanderlands from Emigre, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, one day, probably like two years in, Michael Beirut left a comment on one of the discussions. And I just freaked out, like, oh, my God, Michael Beirut <laughs> left a comment on my blog. <laughs> Um, so I just reached out and said, Hey, thank you for doing that. But, you know, I'm glad that you're enjoying speak up and, uh, you know, hope, hope to run into you at some point. Um, so then we sort of established, uh, 
a light email relationship where we would email sort of behind the scenes uh, about things that were happening on SpeakUp. Um, and all of this happened while I was still living in Chicago. Um, and then eventually moved to New York or wanted to move to New York. And the first, one of the first people that I contacted for you know, getting a job in New York was Michael. And I said, like, look, I would love to work for you. you know, I would do anything. And he said, like, thank you. That's great. But no. Um, because usually at that point, I already had five years experience, um, yeah. in the field, which yeah. is, you know, it's not much, but, uh, what they do is that they hire really young designers and just keep them for a really long time. Yeah. And at that point, Michael had, you know, two or three, he had two senior designers that, you know, that was enough for him and there was just no room for me. So he said, good luck. Uh, see you when you move here. Um, so I found another job. And six months later, Michael emailed me saying like, hey, my two senior designers just at the same time decided to start their own business, you know, separate. Uh, would you still be interested in that job? And I thought, you know, let me think about it for, you know, all of half a second and I'll say yes. Um, so yeah, we had a very informal interview. Um, I don't think he was, <clears throat> I brought my portfolio, but I don't think he was that interested in my portfolio, which was fine, but it wasn't great. Uh, I think he just really appreciated uh, the way I thought about graphic design yeah. and that yeah. I was invested in the, in just the profession. So, you know, he, yeah, he offered me a job basically on the spot. Uh, I said, yes, <laughs> on the spot. Um, and then I stayed there for two and a half years. Um, and originally, or well, uh, yeah, originally I thought well, I'll stay, I'll stay there forever because who wants to leave Pentagram? Um, yeah. But then, we had our first kid, um, and then they gave me three months off uh, paternity leave, and I took you know took my three months. Then I thought, oh, I'll come back and stay here forever. The next thing you know, I'm thinking like, I, I don't want to be here. I want to be at home with my baby and just you know see all the poop that she can generate and not have her <laughs> recognize me, whatever. Um, yeah, so like you know, came back, and a month later, uh, I quit uh, and I, you know, I didn't quit like i threw my phone on the floor and you know to a tantrum i just said like look I, I i would have loved to stay here but i just can't so then um uh yeah then uh, that's when i left and started uh, our own business so that's a really long answer to the original question <laughs> no i think that's exactly what uh we all want to hear because yeah. um i find it amazing because it really sounds like that opportunity came up because uh michael became quite invested in uh, what you was writing and and the way that you was thinking about your work and it, it wasn't so much about your portfolio. I mean, obviously there must have been something to it because he wouldn't employ you if right. you didn't have a talent. Um, but it's it's amazing to think that writing about graphic design can open up the doors for the opportunity. So that that's an amazing story and yeah. it's probably a, a once in a lifetime opportunity that that, that you had. Yeah, and, uh, and um, you know, just uh, um, working there, and I don't know if that was your next question, but... Yeah, I was um, going to ask about <laughs> your experience with Michael. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, it, was, it was a really fantastic job. Michael was the, is the best boss that I've ever had. Um, he was very open to, like he had his, you know, whenever he had a strong idea he would make sure that he would sketch it out and say, Armin, do this, you know, find a way to make it look good in the end. But, you know, this is what I want in the end. And every now and then he would be like, I have no idea what to do. You figure it out. Um, 
and it wasn't like he didn't know what what he wanted to do, but he yeah. he's usually managing um, at least ten to fifteen projects at once. Um, so he can't always be on top of all of them. Um, and I think one, we, um, you know, with me being more of a senior designer, he would just let me run with something as opposed to having to oversee every single part of the project. Um, and yeah, I think what was uh, great about it is that clients would have uh, sort of a respect and expectation for Pentagram that I hadn't experienced before. At a, when I was in Chicago, I used to work at a really tiny design firm where you know clients would sort of walk over you because they were just like, "You're a vendor. I'm paying you to do this, and you know do it the way I say." Um, so with Pentagram, there was much more of a uh, you know, like I said, like respect of what we were going to offer to their organization and business, and business. So they were much more receptive, and you know, with good reason because uh, Pentagram, as much crap as they get nowadays, uh, especially in brand new, they're a really amazing design firm, and uh, you know, the work that they do may sometimes feel very simple uh, or basic, but I think when you're able to achieve that sort of simplicity with clients asking for really complicated things. I think that's a really uh, kind of like interesting way of doing things. So I had a great, great experience, had great projects, learned a lot from Michael. Um, you know, I think the, the first time that, you know, we presented a logo and it was in red and the client said, no, I want it blue. And Michael said, like, fine, we'll make it blue. Like, we got our main idea, but you choose the color. <laughs> like, you know, he, he, he was like, I, I learned to let go of certain things that most designers obsess, obsess about not letting go. Um, so you, know, you kind of like pick your pick some victories to win, and you know uh, kind of like relent on some of the other things, mm-hmm. um, which again sounds like a basic thing to do, but you know it was nice to see the top, you know, one of the be- biggest design firms say, "All right, fine, you know, you don't like that font, <laughs> we'll change that font. You don't like okay. that color, we'll change that color." As long as it didn't uh, like really take a toll on the idea or the concept. I think just knowing that story alone kind of gives some comfort to, um, you know, people that are just starting out because uh, getting feedback from the client is always a challenge. And sometimes it is easier to go with what they're saying if it doesn't interfere the overall concept of what you're working on. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that I've started uh, uh, thinking about is uh, how how much we think of compromise as being a bad word in graphic design that, you know, creatives shouldn't compromise their vision. Uh, but I think what that means is that you're not taking into account the other person's or the other organization's point of view and ideas and experience and just say, like, it's my way or no way at all without thinking that the other person may have a valid point of view. And if that point of view is like, I don't like this typeface because I don't think it's right for my organization or my audience, then that's something that you have to listen to. So, you know, I think uh, compromise is not a bad th- as bad a thing as we think it's, it, it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that because I, I totally agree with that um, because obviously it's a two-way partnership to some degree and mm-hmm you know, taking on board what the client is saying is, is an important thing because they want to be listened to. And at the end of the day, they are, are paying you. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that after you left Pentagram, you went freelance, as you said earlier, and you're now at a point where you're taking on, on almost no client work. And as much as 90% of your income comes from your blogs, how did you transition from doing client work at the beginning to being able to focus almost 
all of your time entirely on your own projects? Um, I would love to say that it was a uh, premeditated uh, strategy, business strategy okay. that we had from the beginning, but it was not that at all. What happened was that in 2008, so in 2008, the, you know, the economy went, was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, we also decided to move from New York to Austin, Texas. Um, and it, it coincided that we finished a lot of client work that we had up until that point with New York clients and clients in other places. Um, in the process of moving from New York to Austin in you know, those two, two, three months of transition, all of a sudden, you know, we had no new clients, we had no new projects. And up until that point, we had always gotten clients from word of mouth and referrals uh, so all of a sudden we're like, oh shit! What do we do now? We have <laughs> we have no idea how to get clients. We've never had to go out and actually find clients or do new business development. Um, so not having that, uh, not knowing how to do that, we thought, well, we have to figure out how to make money on our own. And at, at that point, brand new had started to grow, you know, somewhat significantly. That it was a good. You know, we knew we had a good size audience. So one of the first projects that we did on our own was do a, a self-published book called Flaunt on how to make how designers should make their portfolios, like the actual thing that they go to an interview as, and sit with with a potential employer. So we did that. That did really well. And then that's when we also had the idea of doing the brand new conference. Um, and we thought, well, you know, we have some savings, so let's put those savings into this idea and see if it works. Um, lucky for us, it did work. Uh, and then after that, w when we had those two things like flaunt and the brand new conference, that gave us a lot of confidence to just say, all right, we can sort of, uh, figure this out on our own and not rely on clients, not because we don't need them, but just because we don't have them and we don't know how to get them. Um, whereas this other thing, like we knew how to talk to designers because we're graphic designers and we've been running this blog and doing little events here and there. So we had, uh, we knew how to kind of like build on that audience. So yeah. we just yeah. went with that. Yeah. That seems like a pretty big choice to make. You know, you're in a situation where you're um, not getting any clients in. I've heard from a number of people that starting a conference, you normally lose money. So was that profitable for you from the outset? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. From the beginning, uh, we made money um, in part, uh, Part because I, I think at the beginning we were very cautious about things, so we made yeah. sure that the you know we, we did the math. We figured we have a uh, five hundred seats at four hundred dollars a piece. That's two hundred thousand dollars. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah. Even if yeah. we are able to keep a quarter of that, that's fifty thousand dollars. That's a lot. That's more money than we've ever charged a client. Um, so we were always any decision that we made on venue on production of materials, it was always measured against that um, number of potential tickets sold. So we just, got, you know, I don't know if they were smart decisions, but at least they were frugal in that, you know, we're like, let's not spend on a giant fancy venue because that's, that that's going to cost a lot yeah. of money. Let's not spend a lot of money on uh, uh, the tote bags and the t-shirts because that's going to cost money. So let's just keep it simple. And then, so what happened is that, um, what we knew was that the content was going to be very valuable because no one had done a conference on just logo identity and branding. Yeah. So we figured the 
experience is going to come from the content, not from the venue or the stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, from the beginning, it was uh, profitable. Uh, I can see, I can very easily see why uh, you people that organize conferences lose money because it, the money you just start bleeding money left and right. Yeah. Um, uh, we're also able to get sponsors, uh, so that really helps a lot. Usually, kind of like whatever we we gather in sponsorship money, that's our profit. Um, and you know, luckily, that's been kind of like sort of growing, and people see the value. Uh, of the audience that we bring in, because it's not we're not bringing in, uh, you know, 500 students. We're bringing in 500 and now a thousand, like actual professionals uh, that are going to spend money on the products that the, or services that the sponsors are presenting. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're I mean we acknowledge both how lucky and how um, we've been and how dedicated we've been to building a specific kind of conference that has value for us, has value for the sponsors and has value for the audience and the speakers. Yeah, it sounds like you've done a a fantastic job. So, I mean, in terms of the growth of Brand New, um, because I've been following the Brand New blog for a number of years now, has that success come from the blog itself or do you feel like it's been uh, you know, in parallel that, that it's all grown. Yeah, I think it, it, there's a, I mean, if you drew a chart of the, you know, growth in readership from brand new and sort of the growth of our, of the conference, I think it's, uh, there will be pretty much, if not parallel, they will both be on the increase. Uh, mm. And I think it has to do with, you know, brand news has sort of become a trusted source of, you know, if not high quality content, good quality content. I mean, I, I do, I do think that there's a, a high quality to it, but at the same time, I'm pretty modest and I realize that we're just talking about logos and identity. So there's not, you know, it's not a huge deal. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that we provide this platform that delivers uh, relevant content uh, to a really large group of people day in and day out. And, you know, I try to do it with as much, uh, uh, you know, commitment and quality and, uh, you know, doing it as right as possible that th- people see that. And when we announce other events, you know, when, when we announce brand new conference or even our latest event called First Round, people are like, well, it should be good. Like, even if it's not great, just as a default, it should be fine because of the uh, quality of brand new. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a yeah. good uh, parallel, a good relationship between those two things. And also, you know, brand new has grown a lot. Uh, so we have uh, uh, like a on a mo- uh, you know the average page views a month is one point eight million a month, wow. which is insane. It, and again, like I don't say that as look at us, we have one point eight million page views a month. It just baffles me to no end that a blog about logos written by a guy who wakes up at 5 a.m. and writes this stuff, you know, (laughs) gathers that many viewers. It's just kind of like insane. Um, But I think once you have that big audience, even if just 1% of that audience attends the conference or buys the videos for the conference or whatever, you know, that's just, uh, that sort of instantly yields a positive outcome. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not surprised with those numbers because I would say that, that your comments 
are probably the first I go to. Like when I see a new brand that comes out, I think, okay, what's Armin said about this? I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. And I I tend to agree with them. And I, I feel that you're very talented at giving honest, constructive critiques of logos. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask on that topic, do you have a specific approach to working on your critiques? Like, do you have some kind of framework that you're working to? Yeah, I think um, over the year, especially over the last, uh, you know, three, four years, I've sort of developed a formula of, uh, you know, what goes into the first paragraph, what goes into the second paragraph, and sort of like the things that I need to touch on on every, on any given project. And I do that not because uh, uh, I want to be lazy or repetitive, but it's the only way to get through so many reviews um, every year. Uh, so pretty much every day I have to write something. And um, without that uh, sort of structure, it would be really hard to reinvent the wheel every single time. Um, so yeah, I'm always trying to touch on, you know, the sort of the execution aspect of it, which is, you know, if the kerning is right, if the look color is right, whatever, but then also sort of, uh, how does a logo make me feel? Does it feel right to this product, service, or company? Does it remind me of anything else? And not necessarily does it remind me of another logo. Does it remind me of another experience? Uh, how does it relate to what the company is trying to sell me? Um, uh, and then you know, I'll, so I'll talk about the logo. I'll talk about the applications, and then just give a kind of like a quick summary of you know was this good? Was this bad? Was this uh, interesting? Not interesting? Was this sad? Whatever it is, so I just try to you know hit on a few points that are you know, and I try not to write uh, really long things because <laughs> people don't even read the short paragraphs that are right. <laughs> so I try to keep it you know, basic and simple so that at least people get a sense of, all right, this is, these are the things that I should be considering when I'm looking at this work um, and whether they agree with me or not, like that's never the point. Like I don't want people to agree with me. Um, I want to provide kind of like jumping off points for people to say, oh, I do agree with that because whatever, or I disagree with that because whatever. And it's just about, uh, you know, kind of like giving people those, uh, entry points into the identity so that they can think about not just that identity, but how their opinions uh, or how their interpretations should influence their own work. Yeah, I think what you do is absolutely fantastic. And <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I do really enjoy them myself. And I know that probably all of the people listening to this as well. Um, I do feel that logo design for most graphic designers is kind of like uh, the, the topic that uh, people like to learn more about because it just branches into branding and other things so I, I think the the information you provide teaches a lot of people so you know from from me and the audience thank you for putting those together <laughs> sure i just want to take a short break to tell you a little bit more about hola brief who have sponsored this episode when I started out as a graphic designer, I focused on making things look nice, but then the client would start making changes and they would basically ruin my work. Um, but now, however, things are totally different. My work gets approved almost every time and I remain in total control of the design phase. So what's changed? Basically, I started to understand that strategy matters. And that's where Hola Brief comes in. It's an amazing new online tool that helps you to collaborate with your client to create the perfect design brief. 
The ability to easily create user personas, position maps, competitor maps and more is what makes Holobrief really special, especially if you can't meet with your clients. This is an amazing way to easily collaborate with your clients online. Holobrief is currently free to use whilst it's in beta. So to try it out in your next project, just head over to holobrief.com forward slash logo geek. Anyway, on that note, let's get back to the interview with Armin Witt. So I wanted to ask, how do you choose what projects you actually critique? Because you must get hundreds of people submitting work. Like, how do you know which ones that you're going to pick? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we do get a lot of uh, submissions. And for the most part, uh, what I try to do, like one of the first things that I look at is what is the client? So is the client big enough that people will care. Um, so if it's a major brand like Uber or DuPont or Dunkin' Donuts, um, those are like instant ends because you know, people want to see, want to hear, want to read about them, uh, no matter whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether they're interesting, or you know, especially if they're bad, people want to see it. Um, so that's kind of like the first uh, criteria. If it's not something that's huge or if it's something that's regional or just specific to one country or specific to one industry, then it's whether the work is interesting to to talk about. You know, is it uh, exciting? Is it doing something different? Um, is it just at least well done? Uh, and then uh, the other, usually whenever it's a small, like I get a lot of, uh, you know, submissions for a law firm or an architecture firm or one restaurant with one location, with one office. And sometimes the work is really great. But if I write about those, you know, all those 1.8 million page views that we get, all of a sudden, you know, half of those are like, well, I don't care about this because I can't relate. Like, it's not something that rings any bells to me. Um, even if they all, if they've all been to restaurants or they know about other architects or lawyers, uh, having kind of like more of a universal appeal and being able to sort of see your client in those clients, I think that's really important. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's really about trying to find things that are rel as relevant to as many people as possible um, that show, you know, low identity and branding, you know, in a somewhat large scale um, but then by the same, at the same time, they also have the Friday Likes projects where yeah. those are the restaurants and the law firms and the kind of like tiny little shacks uh, doing whatever, um, because it's also important to highlight those. Um, so, you know, I sort of try to hit uh, as many things as possible um, so that, you know, so that as many people as possible can also get something out of it. Um, and recently, I in the, kind of like the last year, we introduced, I put in a new little section called um, Spotted, which is all about, because, you know, I, like I said, I get hundreds of tips and some of them is just a logo redesign and there's not that much information, but still the logo change might be interesting. Um, so that's where a place where I'll just sort of dump a bunch of things. Um, and that's been working really well in just generating a lot more content and sort of uh, acknowledging all these changes that happen all throughout the world every single day. 
So is there a specific approach that you would want people to get in touch with you? Because I know a lot of the people listening to this will be logo designers, graphic designers, branding experts, and I'm sure that they would be interested in submitting their work. What What is it that you, you particularly need from them? Would it be a number of images or or like some brief summary of the project? Yeah, usually it's just, you know, whatever people would write um, as their case study on their website, just like an introduction paragraph. Uh, sometimes people will just, you know, uh, I'll get a, an email with no Im- images attached. It's just like we launched a new project. They'll explain the uh, client briefly in like one sentence or two. Send me a link to the uh, case study, and that's it. That's That can be as good as sending... Uh, you know, all the images uh, in an email or sending me a WeTransfer or Dropbox link. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the one thing that I sort of, I haven't found a nice way to say this, but it's like I don't reply to yeah. anyone <laughs> because otherwise it would be impossible. Like I get so many emails and I can't just say, I can't write uh, declination letters. You'd, you'd spend uh, and, all day doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it would be really, like I would have a really horrible life if I wrote, you know, all the emails say like, I'm sorry, but your work is not good enough to be shown on my yeah. blog. Um, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> sad face emoticon. <laughs> like that would be a really miserable uh, way of living life. Um, so I just try to not respond. Um, you know, if I need more information, I'll reply um, oh, and, and another thing that I don't do that I think a lot of people don't know that's sort of, uh, I don't know if it's unique, but what I get offered whenever there's like a big redesign or semi-big redesign, people are like, oh, do you want to speak to our client or do you want to speak to the head of marketing or to our creative directors? Like, no, that's the last thing that I want to do. Uh, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to hear anything else other than what you've put out to the public. Um, so my... And that's kind of like a really hard line philosophical thing that I have that I don't want to, I don't want anyone to convince me over the phone over anything. Like whatever you, whatever other people see online, whatever press release you put out, my opinion is going to be based off of, off of that. Whatever you can communicate to the public, that's what I'm going to um, base my opinion on, not you know, some because whenever you get with someone on the phone, they'll tell you everything that went wrong or everything that went right or all the kind of like epiphanies that they had. And those are great stories, but I just don't want to hear them because they, they really influence, um, they can really influence my opinion when that really shouldn't matter. What matters is what gets put out there eventually for all the world to see. Mm. I find it really interesting that, that you said that because sometimes well, most of the time your um, content is very in-depth and it feels like you have some secret behind-the-scenes information to it. So is it just purely based on standard press releases and um, content that they would put on their case study? You're not actually asking questions? Yeah, no, well, never. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am, uh, because also, yeah, as a sort of aside, is that you just it slows down the process yeah. tremendously when you're talking to people and having to schedule a conference call or getting responses by email. Like this way, a press release comes out um, at noon on you know today, and then tomorrow morning I can write about it instead of having to wait for to talk to someone. Um, so yeah, everything is just anything that I have is whatever was put out into the world. 
Yeah, I think your last answer then just answered my next question, but I want to ask it in case there's any more to expand on it. Um, I want to ask, how are you able to be so reactive with your content? Because you're generally one of the first people I, I see online to uh, critique um, uh, Legos. How how are you doing that to be so reactive? Uh, well, it's it's I'm just working on it all day long. And it's not that I'm working on it 24 hours a day, but... Uh, you know, I check my email for brand new every day. Uh, so that's how I get tips. That's how I get submissions from the designers or the PR people. And um, uh, at night, if there's a big story, I'll pre- prepare the images uh, at night. Well, not, not at night, but like, you know, right before going to uh, to bed. And then, um, as I said, I wake up at five in the morning. Um, so by five, you know, by six, 6.30, I'll already have um the post ready to go so it feels um you know it 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 feels fast because i guess it is fast (laughs) but sometimes like if if, but also because i always uh post so early like at 6 30 if a big story breaks out at nine in the morning that day i won't be able to talk about to write about it until the next day um and then they start to get really uh stressed out like oh my god uh, wired is going to get the story before me and fast company is going to get the story before me and you know variety and vogue and because all every single publication now talks about logo changes um (laughs) so it's uh but what's nice is that i've sort of uh grown out of that stressful uh feeling because i know that sure all these bigger publications may get the story first but like I, I, I believe that I'm the one that's going to get it right, or the one that uh, people are going to come to to read more about it, not just get the kind of like a snarky commentary on uh, Fast Company. Yeah, yeah, I know I do that myself because like um, yesterday the the Fat Face logo came out, and um, obviously I'm I'm aware that that came out, but I'm still interested to see what you put together on that, and I I, I normally read. Um, a few different sites, but your critiques are they they feel like they're not trying to impress anyone or you're you're basically say it the way it is, you know, you throw out all the punches, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, because I think you know there, it's um I think there's a lot to be learned from writing. Uh, I mean, there's a for me, there's a lot I learn a lot by writing about it, but I think for people reading, I think it's just uh, one having a source, one source where they can get one kind of uh, breakdown of what a logo, an identity is or can mean. Um, so I think there's a I, I do try to write about it in an honest way. Like I never try to be mean to anyone in part because a lot of the uh, people's, a lot of the work, a lot of the designers behind the work, I end up meeting at the conferences because they end up being our speakers. Uh, so I never try to be mean. I always try to be honest. Uh, um, and I think that that sort of yields uh, articles that are, beneficial for anyone to read um so i mean i'm I'm glad that you see it that way and i hope that most people um will see it as uh you know not me trying to be uh you know jealous or mean or sarcastic just for the sake of it but you know just actually trying to dissect 
something in a, in a way that other people will be able to learn from it as well yeah um i mean on that like i, I know sometimes you um i can't think of any specific example but you might potentially pull a logo apart or a project apart you know because you you don't think it's necessarily the the best solution are you ever concerned about potentially upsetting someone or stepping on people's toes because i know you are quite influential in the industry and um well connected as well so like you said you mm-hmm. do you know a lot of these people or you do eventually meet them is is that ever a concern for you um every single day and uh <laughs> it, it really it has been it was easier at the beginning when you know few people i knew less people and few people knew of me um so I think it was easier to just say like, yeah, this is crap. Uh, well, I mean, I never say it like that, but <laughs> it was easier to be, you know, to write uh, negative reviews when I had less relationships uh, with people. Um, yeah. So yeah, whenever you know, uh, I've had things where I you know, work from Pentagram that I have to write negative things about. I like I lose sleep over it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it really, it concerns me that they're going to think that I'm being mean or just somehow not, uh, you know, not understanding them. But I, I always try, that's why I try to be as objective as possible and always try to sort of, um, justify whatever I'm saying by saying, by sort of comparing it to something else, not just comparing it to, uh, that it's just my opinion. It's just like I'm comparing it against other work and comparing it against other what other clients in the same industry might be doing. Um, but yeah, um, and you know, there are cases where I, I had been nicer to someone's work because I knew them and they're super nice people, and I just don't want to. They're nice, so the, you know, I can't. I can't bring myself to be completely yeah like completely uh destroy a logo because they're such nice people um and 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 that's one other thing that i've been very clear or try to be very clear online is that this is like my opinions are not unbiased like i have biases i am influenced by things that i like by people that i know um so this is you know there's no uh I mean, like, it's not the New York Times where you have to present, or CNN, where you have to just present the facts and try to be as non-partisan as possible. Like, here, it's just, it's me. Like, these are my opinions based on the people that I know, the things that I've seen, the things that I like or dislike. Um, So, you know, I try to make that as clear as possible so that people, because every now and then in the comments are like, well... You know, there's Armin again going, you know, being nice to Pentagram. Like, yeah, I like them. They used to employ me, so deal with it. <laughs> and I think as well, some of those uh, comments, they're not, they, they are like knee-jerk reactions. They're very subjective opinions from those people that, that do leap out and, and attack that. But what I do like from what you do and, and where I do think you set a good example is you justify everything that you explain. And I think doing that, even when you do throw a, punch so to speak mm-hmm. you're doing it very um objectively and explaining exactly the reason why you think that and it is i i do think it's to the point where they would probably turn around and go yeah you're right <laughs> so yeah. i think um you know that compared with other people that do just you know throw out these comments like you mentioned you're actually putting time into it and thinking about it and you know uh, being a, being an, an expert, so to speak. Yep. Now, I wanted to jump into some logo design related things. So, how mm-hmm. do you determine 
what makes a, a successful Lego or Lego redesign? Um, uh, that's a good question. And I think a lot of it comes down to how, and it's very subjective. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I always say, like, does this feel right? Like, that's the first question. Does this feel right for this company, product, or service? Like, do I look at it and say, and feel a connection to what they're trying to sell? So it doesn't matter if that logo is a minimalist logo or if it's uh, full of gradients and bevels or whatever it is uh, you know there's the execution or the approach or the style sort of doesn't matter as long as it is true or as long as it feels true to whatever the company is um, so I think that kind of like that's one of the first uh, things that I look at just like kind of like that emotional gut reaction um, and then it does come down to execution. I mean, is it, uh, is it readable? Does it make sense? Is it well-spaced? Uh, is it something that can be reproduced in um, you know, uh, as many places as possible? Um, and you know, the, the, kind of like the other, the last question is like, is this going to last for more than two years? Like what is the, it, because if it's riding a trend, uh, which a lot of logos do, um, like that's always uh, something that uh, that's very difficult for logos to avoid to sort of like follow a trend. Uh, but if they do, like does this have the possibility of lasting more than this trend? Uh, so, for example, like today's post about Dream, um, where it's a very min- minimalist geometric sensory word mark, but then it has a little wave at the end. Like, all right, they took, they took the trend, but added something that could make it last for a longer time just by adding a little something that is appropriate to the client. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, having seen so many logos and thought about so many logos that some things just feel more naturally right than others. Mm. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it because simplicity tends to come up a lot and uh, people think that logos should essentially be um, minimal. But I look at something like the Guns N' Roses logo and I I don't think that's a bad logo, but technically, you know, based on this idea of simplicity, it is, you know, it's full of so many details. It's, It's basically a painting, but it's it's not a bad logo but it feels right and i think that way of looking at logo design is is a nice way of thinking is it's kind of like a cake with the right ingredients you know does it taste yeah. right <laughs> um so i i think that's a really good way of thinking about it and um i'm i'm glad that you explained it in that way rather than going through the usual things of simple appropriate you know things like that i i think people actually get a lot more out of that answer Yep. I know we we touched on it earlier in the conversation, um, but the brand new conference that you run, I understand that you've uh, recently just had that conference and you have them, is it every year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, every year. Um, would you be able to just tell us a little bit more about that conference? Because I think it's something that the audience will be interested in. And I've never been to one myself, but I can imagine a lot of listeners would be interested in a- attending that. So would, would that be okay to talk through that briefly? Yep, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, so we started in 2010, and our sort of epiphany was that uh, there was no, there's a lot of design conferences, so we knew we couldn't just compete by doing another design conference. So we thought, all right, um, one of the reasons why Brand New is so successful 
is because it sticks to one subject and that subject is logo, identity, and branding. So what if you do an extension of that as a conference where the speakers are just people devoted to logo, identity, and branding? So that, I mean, it sounds simple and sort of obvious, but because no one had done it, you know, it was like, well, why would you do that? Uh, so we did it, and it turns out that that makes for a really interesting, focused conference. People know what they're going to get out of it. Like they, you know, when you go to a general design conference, you go for the, you know, being inspired and creativity and whatever, uh, and that's fine. But I think when you go to the brand new conference, you know that you're going to get, um, you know, all of that creativity and inspiration and whatever but focused through logo identity and, pra- and branding projects that you know, people are going to be able to relate to uh, more easily and bring back kind of like actionable knowledge back to them, uh, to their work. Um, and one thing that we've been, kind of like our guiding principle has always been who would we want to hear speak? Um, and ter- it, I think, uh, you know, l- to our benefit, the, kind of like that approach has been good because a lot of people want to hear those people. Um, so we always we try to find speakers that are again kind of like within that circle that we've defined. That it sort of limits you in a way, but at the same time, it makes it somewhat easier to choose speakers because you're not you know you're not saying all right. Well, we need someone to talk about books and someone to talk about posters. Uh, or someone to talk about self-initiated projects. We just we just have to find people doing this thing, um, this very specific thing. Um, and yeah, so we've been you know it's been a great conference. I think people really get a lot out of it because uh, again they know what they're gonna what people are gonna talk about. Even if they talk about different clients, different industries, different approaches, it's all about the practice of low identity and branding. I think that's really uh, you know having that focus is really. Uh, beneficial for people and for us it just makes it it keeps us it gives us a framework to prepare something every year Mm. it certainly sounds like something i'd be interested in because i've been to a a number of um, conferences and and events and if a talk isn't necessarily associated to what you're working on you know you can kind of fall asleep in your in your chair but i think mm-hmm. because you are basic around logo design branding and so on there's a lot of designers out there that are uh, specifically focused in those areas so i think it's really good that you're doing that because it gives a really high value experience to everyone that, that attends yep. so we are near the end of our uh, time so i want to ask you one last closing question uh-huh. if you could provide just one piece of advice for uh, logo designers what would that advice be I would say to, you know, not be afraid. Like the, the first thing would be don't be afraid of doing something that someone else has already done in one way or another. Because we, you know, we, uh, we struggle so much with having to be original and creative and finding something that no one has ever done. And it's great if you do. If you find something that no one has ever done, you know, amazing, good for you. But uh, and I'm not saying copy something, but like if you put a letter in a circle, you know, people have done that. Um, it's okay for you to do that. Just make sure that it is somehow relevant to the uh, client, that the client, that it gives the client confidence that, you know, to, uh, to push their business forward or whatever. So it's really just about, 
kind of like losing that inhibition or that uh, kind of like pressure to always find something amazing and unique. Um, and I'm not saying to stop striving for it, but when you, I think when you take off that pressure, it actually allows you to come up with better solutions because you're not just, you're not thinking about, oh, I have to be original, I have to be original, but more, I have to find something that's relevant for this client and for this industry and for their audience. So uh, when you think about that first and not about, you know, people on brand new in the comments saying like, oh, this logo reminds me of this other logo, uh, which is always going to happen. There's always something out there that's going to look like something that you did. Um, so it's just about um, you know, trying to find that little extra something that makes it more unique, that makes it appropriate, that makes it uh, slightly more memorable without having to reinvent the wheel every time out mm -hmm. that that makes me think of uh paul rand's um quote don't try to don't uh don't try to be original just be good something like yeah, that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um well armin um we come to the end of the time so i just want to say a massive thank you for coming on the show and you know for sharing um all of those insights into what you're doing um, I hope that after this, people, if they are not familiar with you, will go and check out the content on Brand New and hopefully there'll be uh, some new followers and, and fans of your work. So, yeah, again, just massive thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Another fantastic interview and a great way to close off season three. Armin, thank you so much for your time. To learn more about Armin Vit, head over to his website underconsideration.com where you'll find links to all of his uh, blogs and projects. Alternatively, check out the show notes for this episode where you'll find links to Armin's blogs, any resources and books mentioned in this interview, as well as a full transcription too. To find that, just head over to logogeek.uk forward slash 3.12. As mentioned, sadly, this really does mean the end of season three. It's been an absolutely fantastic season with so many insights and lessons learned. So I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, but don't worry, season four is already in the works, ready for 2019. I'm still in the very early stages of planning that. So if there are any guests or any topics that you'd like to hear about, just, just let me know. And the, the best way to do that is in the Logo Geek community on Facebook. Um, that's where I spend a lot of my time uh, chatting with um, all the logo designers from around the world um, so if you're not already a member I'd love to see you there and uh, for you to get involved as well it's totally free and to join just head over to logogeek.uk forward slash community making sure to briefly answer the two questions and the reason for them being there is just to make sure that only the best people get in so you don't need to write an essay just you know one short paragraph for each question is sufficient it's an amazing community so i'd love for you to become part of that if you enjoyed this season and you want to give back in some way as a thank you you can write a review on itunes and slash or you can support the sponsors of this season either freshbooks by heading over to freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek and creating a free account or Holabrief by heading over to holabrief.com forward slash logogeek and by visiting the sponsors you basically help me secure them for future seasons so your support is greatly appreciated 
Anyway, if I don't see you in the community, I hope you enjoy the upcoming festive season and I will see you again early next year for another exciting season of the Logo Geek Podcast.